0: Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFiera. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they are. not Brandon, how you doing?
1: LJ, doing great. Um, leave from Syracuse in exactly a week from today. I will be gone. Tuesday, May 9th, we'll be back. It will be nice to get back home, uh, expect a lot of, a lot more content coming from LJ and I, some in-person content will for sure be in the works. I'm very excited.
0: Wait, but I have to see you in person if I come home?
1: Sadly, sadly. I can't stare at you over a Zoom screen anymore. Um, It's kind of sad, but um, yes, hopefully we can get a few in-person pods done. That would certainly be a great dynamic. Not that we don't have one, but it would be great for us to be able to really sit down um, together and do it because- it'd be a lot of fun. And I don't think we've even, the, the only episode we ever did together was like the very, very first one, right?
0: First two, yes.
1: First two, that's right. First two. Um, So, yeah, very excited to get back home. Just got to grind out these finals here. But you're not here to listen to us talk about that just yet. Um, You know, Monday's games were sort of categorized as great pitching from really around the league, um, and we have quite a few performances that we'd like to touch on, I think we're going to start with what was the easily the best performance of the day, um, Dylan Cease of the White Sox. Dude's finally taking this big step up that a lot of us expected. When we talked with the bat flip guys last week, they were kind of penciling it. We're not penciling him in, but we're certainly considering him as an option for AL Cy Young, and he certainly... Uh, made them look good yesterday against the Angels. As LJ, he goes seven innings, allowing just one hit, striking out 11 batters. And that includes the three times that he faced Mike Trout. He got him to strike out um, all three times. Trout ends up 0-4 for 4 with 4Ks. Just shows that even the greatest players um, do have tough games. But, I mean, a Dylan Cease, what an incredible start.
0: Yeah, talk about incredible starts. I mean, this goes, this plays right into the hands of our uh, favorite go-to talking point of great starts. You know, when you talk about Cy Young, this is number one for him, I believe. Either way, you know, you're coming into May. You've got a 241 or a 248 ERA right now. You're well in the thick of things for this league. You're well in the thick of things across the league as being a great pitcher. It's all about just having performances like this. If you can get one of these a month and not make major mistakes all of a sudden you're going to be in that silent conversation every year yeah you know, I, I I make it sound like that's easy but like you know if you're a max scherzer that's that that's nothing
1: absolutely and when you look at some of these other stats surrounding a Dylan cease this year you go on to his baseball savant page LJ lots of red um pretty much red in in every stat category you can think of here. We're talking the top 10th percentile in average exit velocity, expected ERA, expected batting average, barrel percentage, uh fastball spin rate, uh just really been having a good season and he's five starts in. LJ his worst start was against the Guardians um about 2 weeks into the season. He went five and a third, allowing four runs. That was his worst start of the year. Since then, or the other starts, he was five innings with one earned, five and two-thirds with one earned, six innings with two earned, and then, of course, last night, seven innings with one earned. Um, We're talking about a whip that is now down to .93 um, and really filling in nicely for, you know, the, the, the pitchers that have been absent from this White Sox rotation that was so good last year. Um, of course, they have a Lucas Giolito back, and he's been pretty good in the three starts he's had. Um, Not really much to complain about there, but outside of him, the White Sox have really struggled f- trying to find that other starter. Of course, you have a guy like like a like a Michael Kopech who LJ is very big on and in the four starts he's made he's looked good but last year when we were talking about Giolito and Lance Lynn and Rodon and then you throw Cease in there um, it was scary and to see Cease take this next jump up I mean he's only 26 years old uh, looking like a stud and let's hope that he can try kind of carry this throughout the next few weeks because when we start talking about AL Cy Young in a few weeks, once we hit, what do we usually say? Memorial Day is when we start kind of really considering awards? Is that is that kind of our, our benchmark or what? Memorial
0: Day is when we start to say that everything everything that has happened before Memorial Day at Memorial Day is valid. Like that sample size is valid. It, so, yes. Around that is when we can really start talking about a guy being a serious contender.
1: And should he uh, keep up play similar to this, I see no problem in him being in in heavy contention for um, this award. But, you know, to, you know, just really dominate this Angels lineup that is obviously so good, so loaded this year. um, Super impressive with, with what I saw and not really much to say. They end up going... Cease to Kendall Graveman, who's been having a great year for them. And then Liam Hendricks strikes out the side to end it off. I was listening to the last inning uh, on the radio in my car, and um, just a just a overall great showing from the White Sox um, and what what I think they could really turn it around here over these these next few weeks. I'm not counting them out yet. They they travel to Chicago, back to Chicago to face the Cubs at Wrigley um, this. This week. So interesting. With that
0: being said, though, I think we need to, if we're looking at a place to focus efforts here, Dylan Cease, Tony LaRoos said, you gotta get him, both of you, get him into the sixth every single time. Get him through the sixth every single time. Now, you know, the numbers are backing it up. He's he's got good stuff right now. He's the hot arm in this rotation. Use him like that because right now, from what I've seen. Brendan, this bullpen is half of half as good as it was last year. Oh yeah, and they need them to pick up. They need the starters. What starters are doing well? The Kopecks, the Ceases, the Giolitos. Those guys need to be in here picking up a lot of that slack every single time they come out right now.
1: And you know, speaking on that White Sox bullpen last year, when they were, uh, when they had, it was like. Aaron Bummer to Tapera to, to Hendricks, uh it was it was scary. Um and of course we don't need to bring Craig Kimbrell up in that same talking point because his his performance with the White Sox was there was a lot left to be desired there, but still super impressive. Um and I, I can you know, I still think that the White Sox can be a legit team. They're only 22 games in, still super early. Fangraphs still gives them about a 37% chance to win the AL Central. I would think it's a little bit higher than that, honestly.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, it all depends because if maybe this Twins rotation, maybe this Twins pitching is actually uh, quite a bit better than we thought it was. Either way, I think, you know, it's, this is still the White Sox year. This is more of a sign of problems to come than anything else in my eyes.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's get into some of the other great starts that we saw yesterday um, with one of my guys who I have been talking about quite a bit lately and um, with good reason, and that's Zach Gallen. Finally gets his first decision of the year for the Diamondbacks. He goes six and a third against the Marlins yesterday, allowing five hits, two earned, and striking out five batters. Brings the season ERA down to 1.27. And, LJ, like you were saying, um, they've got some guys in, in this uh, Diamondbacks pitching rotation. They've got, or yeah, in their starting rotation. They've got Mad Bum, Merrill Kelly, and Zach Gallon. Three very above-average starters, I think, is very fair to say.
0: Very fair to say, um, especially when you consider... Mad bum, 32 years old. Are we talking about that same um rebound, 30s rebound with him, perhaps, as he kind of figured his way through into being a great pitcher again? Like, that's a very valid question. The other guys, you know, they haven't been around as long. You're talking about two and three years of ter- service time between the two, expect, or five years total of service time between the two, respectively. So, this very well, we're talking about potential breakout starters in Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallon. I know we got a little bit more time to go. We still got to get to Memorial Day, but we very well could be talking about those two in a very different light this time next year. And if Mad Bum has kind of had the, had a resurgence all of a sudden, then we're talking about this team being in a much better position than we ever thought they were.
1: For the long run, I really think that this that this a Diamondbacks team has done its fans wonders. Um, really, since last year, of course, they were the worst team in the league last year. I think there's not a lot of questions that you could say. You, you could say Baltimore, but I think Arizona kind of took the cake there. And to start this season, LJ, how about third in team ERA, fifth in team WHIP when it comes to their starting pitchers? They've allowed the fewest home runs from their starting pitchers, the fourth fewest hits per nine from their starters. Uh, Super impressive in a
0: ballpark where it's not that easy to do that. I mean, you Mm -hmm. think about this is this is a uh, team that did have to put a humidor in only a handful of years ago.
1: Yes, and now of course um, every every ballpark has a humidor, which has led to the demise of entertaining games. Um, I only joke. I only joke. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the the prospects that the Diamondbacks have, too. Um, They have two top 25 guys um, that are projected to be in the majors very soon. Alec Thomas, who's the number 24th ranked overall prospect. that A lot of people expect that he will be up at some point this season. Um, and then their big guy, Corbin Carroll, who is the 14th ranked prospect according to Fangraphs. He's an outfield prospect. Um, he had, he kind of had a rough year in the minors last year. I think he ended up getting hurt and missed um, a big chunk of that season. But a lot of people expect that he'll be up. Um, maybe end of the season this year, early next year. But they're certainly doing um, themselves a lot of good with these guys. Let's not forget about Jordan Lawler, Drew Jameson, those two guys. I was guys to bring also. him
0: up because he's quite been quite the uh, interesting case. I mean, I think next time um, these groups go and re-scout, they're going to like Jordan Lawler a lot more. I mean, you look at what he's done this year. He's uh, with Arizona's A team right now. He's got a 171 weighted runs created plus. Yes, he's striking out a lot right now, but that's something that can come down with time. He has way overperformed his grades offensively to start his career. He's a lot more developed on that end of the game than people already thought. And overall, I think the uh, fielding and the physical potential speaks for itself with him. So, yeah, he's definitely not somebody to be underrated. I think he, I think he's low on the list right now at 84.
1: Oh absolutely especially when you consider I mean this was their first round pick in 2021 they took him sixth overall clearly put a lot of um, you know draft capital into into picking him and I don't know if anyone else is a fan of the game out of the park baseball but I've had a few saves where in the future I've ended up uh, getting Jordan Lawler and he's turned into quite the solid shortstop for me so just a guy to kind of keep your eye out for with the Diamondbacks here. It's still going to be a few years before he um, is able to get to the bigs, but a guy that could certainly be shooting up prospect lists um, potentially when they redo it. I think I always around like the All Star break is when they try to yes. reassess when they it, have like the futures game and stuff like that.
0: It also because the draft's coming right up, right up then too mm-hmm. now even more so. So that's, that's the point where the guys are able to be traded. Everyone hops on in uh, figuring out who's actually good and who's not. It's honestly, I think they do a good job with that part. If only they, you know, marketed themselves better, marketed that aspect better. Honestly, what better time to market your young stars than right before the trade deadline? That's not to say that every single one of them is going to get traded, but if you hyped up, you got ESPN to hype up your top prospect list, and stuff and do like feature uh, reels on these guys and like different pa- content packages based on the guys in the top 100 and do it over a couple nights stretch, people will go for that. People know the names and people might get a little more excited to like, Hey, this guy might move somewhere. This guy might not. It depends on if this, his team decides to make some crazy move to make the playoffs. Here's what they're doing right now. Like there's so much opportunity there for them.
1: You're asking ESPN to cover something other than football or basketball. I'm asking, I'm
0: asking somebody to cover this, not ESPN necessarily. I've given up on them, especially like we just had this whole argument and uh, not argument, but just frustration fest on the radio show the other day about just the fact that, you know, ESPN, they try to do everything, but listen to the fans. Like the fans literally go there just cause they want sports. Meanwhile, the they try to do all this fancy stuff. They try to add all this other content in. And it's like. You don't like the same far. 10
1: NBA talking points day after day? You really don't?
0: I don't. And I also don't like now that I've seen it. Brandon, have you seen what they've been doing with the uh, NHL games?
1: I have not. But I know that they got like games on ESPN for this for this season or when the season started back in October. Yeah, right? it,
0: it's great. But like in these playoffs particularly, they keep changing the camera angle. In the middle of the game for hockey for hockey you know it's a very it's a
1: bit standard, strange
0: standard honestly i think baseball is the only one you can't use the same camera for the whole thing like you could get by with every single other sport with only one camera going yeah and yet they decide to go above and beyond above and beyond so to say but no one see no one likes it, it it's unnecessary we just want to see the we want to see the play we want to see the players we want to we want to talk about it. We don't need all the extra stuff.
1: Well, the next start that we wanted to bring up, uh, we're going to go to the NL Central, where the Cardinals grind out a one nothing win over the Royals yesterday. Their one run comes on a Paul Goldschmidt homer in the first inning. But the real story was the, the two starters in this game, Steven Matz uh, for the Cardinals, six innings, four hits, no earned runs. He gets the win. Um, looked really good and a guy that l j and i certainly um i want to say that we've always been high on him but a guy that we would like to see be good and then how about our guy zach granke um off to a great start this year just gets no run support six innings three hits one earned run from him and of course the one earned runs on that home run so really only one mistake the entire day um, um nice well, to see both starters though do do good
0: yeah, I will say, Steve, I think Stephen Matz's performance was significantly better than Greggie's, mm-hmm. but both very good starts. Because, Brandon, you're also forgetting about the other story, the real story out of this game was the fact that this really should, this stat line for Zach Greggie, instead of being six innings, three hits, one earned, one strikeout, one home run, should be six innings, four hits, two earned, one strikeout, two home runs, because Michael Taylor had an mm. insane home run robbery in early in this game. Really, again, literally flat out saved the run there. You know, if it was probably anyone else, or there's very few other guys who could have pulled that off in the league, all of a sudden you're talking about a almost identical stat line with less strikeouts and more earned runs. But overall, again, that's two mistakes. You're not going to complain too much with that.
1: No, certainly not, and you're absolutely right about Michael A. Taylor. Um, I remember when he signed in 2021 with the Royals. I thought that was a pretty underrated a uh, pickup. I mean, if, if if he can hit whatsoever, um, it would have been a very solid contribution. The guy's got speed. He's a great uh, defensive center fielder. Um, you know you. Look at stats like at least for for this year, his outfielder jumps. So how quick is his reaction to the ball off the bat? He's he's in the top fifteen percentile in the league. Um, and when you're talking about elite a defense coming out of center field, you know there's the few guys that automatically come to mind: your Byron Buxton's, your Kevin kiermeyer's your Jackie Bradley's. But um he's not far behind. Them. No,
0: and again, it's very similar to Kiermeyer and bradley in the regard of the only thing holding him back is the offense like if you can if he can play to a level where you can justify him being out on the field each day then he's going to bring you a lot of value
1: yeah no absolutely um and you know he's off to a rough start hitting but certainly something that we'll talk about um over the next few days when we have time but The fact that like the league average or that a 100 OPS right now is like a 700 or a 100 OPS plus is like a 700 OPS uh, offense is still dramatically down across the league Um, and we're not going to go too deep into this but I feel like at some point the faster games um, you know the the games being played faster they're It's good for the game when the games are still entertaining. I mean, I I texted LJ. There was a play by Ronald Acuna yesterday where smokes a ball to center field. um, And in any of the last three seasons, maybe even four seasons, um, this is a home run. It has a 1,000 expected batting average. So every single ball in the StatCast era that had been hit with this exit velocity in this launch angle of course it doesn't take into account wind spin on the ball uh ballpark to an extent like none of that uh every single batted ball with those stats had been a hit up until that point when it just kind of dies at the warning track um right into brandon nimmo's glove it's just it's just interesting to me i mean the balls are clearly dead you see players and other people talking about it um you have to wonder why they would make the ball so much worse. Or if it goes back to our theory of last year where they just don't have control over the ball and they don't, then the league has no idea what they're doing with it.
0: I've yeah. I genuinely think at this point, the only answer is that they don't know how to fix the ball. And like that, that, it happens, I guess. I mean, you've kind of just played with it too much to the point where now you can't figure out how to get it back to doing exactly what it was originally supposed to do. Either way, you're just gonna keep making it worse. The question is, which worse do we want? Right. Because at the end of the day, the good the majority of good actually good players are still good with this yeah. clearly dead ball. I people just keep saying juice the ball back up because it's more fun and more offense, but At the same time, that would be so disappointing from the league standpoint because, first off, it's kind of like selling out. And second, I don't want to see the guys who relied on that for their power. I mean, not to call – I'm going to call out guys on both sides. Alex Verdugo, DJ LeMayhew. These guys are clear contact hitters, and that's fine for the league. You can make a great career out of yourself like that. But when when a lot of your power comes from the juiced ball, then you don't deserve to have that power. And I don't entirely want to see that. Like you need to play to your own game. And if guys are going to play to a juiced ball in order to be successful, I'm just, I'm not as here for that. The other thing I think is I've been calling this for, for this for a while, but we really need a correction of the sport back towards contact hitting. And this in part kind of does that because if you can't fix the ball and you don't want to rejuice the ball, Because people go nuts if you did, then all of a sudden you're going to see guys say, "All right, it doesn't matter what we do; we're not going to be able to hit it out of the park that much. So let's just focus on actually getting the bat on the ball." And odds, odds are something might good might happen. Like if you're not, if you can't do this picture perfect, we're going to try try to hit a home run every time, and it's going to work every time we do everything right. Then you got to just be more focused on the other parts of the game and we need more of that right now
1: yeah and to to go back on my point i just found this actually very weird looking stat line here so josh donaldson and i watch every yankees game i've watched at least one inning of every single game that we played this year most games almost every pitch um he has not been productive whatsoever at the plate. Most fans know that it's just been it's it's not been what we're used to seeing. LJ he has a 696 OPS and has a 116 weighted runs created plus. I mean that's that's insane. Um, a 696 OPS in previous seasons you're going to be sitting around the 90 range for way to runs creative plus. and you're telling me that that's with a 116 way to runs creative plus that's 16 percent better than the league average hitter uh it just it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth and sure you're absolutely right the, the good players are still good and we might see some guys try to change their approach a little bit but um it's just i don't even know what the word is it's just very
0: strange to me It's a hard settlement, but it's a settlement that honestly, two years down the road, we're going to forget we were complaining about this. Yeah. Like, we're going to be so used to the way the game is played at that point that it's not going to be a real factor.
1: Well, I think the one other uh, starting performance that we wanted to talk about from yesterday was Jake Odorizzi of the Astros. You know, there was a lot of talk um, with how bad his start was this year, how bad his start was last year, and um, you know, should the Astros switch, or, or and then the Astros do switch to that six-man rotation? Well, Oda Rizzi kind of shuts up everybody yesterday, um, at least for a few days. Where the Astros shut out the Mariners, um, they're now they now have the same record at twelve and eleven, and Oda Rizzi goes six and two-thirds innings with four hits, no earned runs, um, gets the win, um, and just looked really good. I watched some of the highlights. He was inducing a lot of soft contact. He's never been a real high strikeout guy, and just a really solid outing from him. I mean, even the bad pitchers, and I'm not saying that Odorizzi's bad, because I still think that he has some sort of value, but I, I remember I heard this quote on the Yankees broadcast from from a David Cohn, and he said, you know, if you have 30 starts a year There's going to be five starts where you feel like you can locate every pitch perfectly. You have the best stuff and you really can't get hit. You're going to have five starts where you have almost no control and you're really struggling. And then the other 20 starts is what makes a good pitcher good and a bad pitcher bad. Was this one of the five good starts from Jake Odorizzi this year or one of those five starts? Maybe, but I still think we can't completely count him out. we know what the Astros do with these with these pitchers. We've seen a lot of pitchers make dramatic improvements. And in all honesty, you look at what Jake Odorizzi did last year, 102 ERA plus. I mean, he was above league average um, just slightly last year. I still think he has some some of value here.
0: Yeah, overall, I think, again, so far the six-man rotation has been a success. Yeah. Because you know the whole point of this, I don't think was necessarily to replace one of the guys yet. It was to get everyone who deserves start starts, starts, and to also put some pressure on the guys that weren't performing. And, you know, there still are guys on this team that they need to show more to be able to stay. At the end of the day, I think you look at this group in, you look at them in, say, mid-June definitely start in July, and you say, okay, who is the worst member of our rotation? And that's the guy who goes to the bullpen. Regardless of who it is, regardless of how much experience out of the bullpen you have, that's the kind of mentality I think they have to go with right now.
1: Absolutely. Um, I I completely agree with, with that line of thinking. Um, and pretty, you know, I can't wait to see how this six-man rotation ends up playing out you know how long do you stick with the six-man rotation at what point do you switch back to that five-man rotation do you, you know i'm i i know that that a dusty baker is a real smart manager and certainly knows what he's doing um so yeah can't wait to see kind of how that plays out there <laughs>
0: brandon how, how much time are we looking at what
1: are we looking at uh we have a little time if we wanted to talk about um joe adele getting sent down by the angels um gets optioned to triple a salt lake um this is a guy who don't think it's wrong to say he's been considered one of the sports what most talented younger players for a, for a while um according to this article he,
0: very long time actually yeah
1: i mean according to this article he's been one of the top two prospects in the angels system every year between 2018 and 2021 when he was no longer considered a prospect um you know it's it's weird because in the few years or in the you know in in the few seasons that we've seen joe adele play with the angels it's just you know very worrisome when you look at the strikeout and walk numbers and it doesn't um. help and it doesn't help that um he's four outs below average when it comes to outs above average which is second worst among all outfielders in the league hopefully um you know he can when he's in AAA here he can get everything figured out on both offense and defense, you know, work out those kinks. He's still a very young player. We can't forget that. And by the next time he gets called up, let's hope that this is a, a permanent stay for him in the majors.
0: Um, I'm sorry. I'm out on this guy.
1: LJ's out on Joe Adele.
0: Look, I've just, again, I I think we've kind of situation where like, you know, you're right enough is enough we've been saying he's one of the best young players in the game for how long now and yet we haven't seen the results frankly I see and I respect the talent because you look at throughout his minor his minor league numbers you look at even his major league numbers it's not great but there's there's some solid pieces that kind of show you that, that there are flashes of this natural power bat that everyone keeps talking about and says it's there. But you're right. The walkout to strike numbers, this is not it's, – it almost looks like a conscious choice. You're talking about a guy who – Javi frankly, Baez-like. Honestly, but like not worse. worse. You're talking about a guy who is a triple A, 2019 and triple A, struck out 32% of the time. He has never, except in his first season of rookie ball in 2017, He has never had a strikeout rate below 20. He has only had two segments of no greater than 43 games, 43 games and 25 games in his career, where he's had a walk rate over 10. This is clear lack of plate discipline that is hindering both his contact ability and his power ability, which is really what you're looking for out of this guy, what you've been hoping to see. And if you're going to be that undisciplined at the plate, You can't be in the majors, especially if you're that undisciplined throughout your entire minor league career. Like, there's no spot here that indicates, all right, maybe he has developed this. And if you're the Angels, how have you not put your foot down on this stuff yet? You know, you had a lot of opportunities. You brought him through the ranks quickly, sure, but there was plenty of times where this guy's 23 years old. He's already been up to the majors enough that he isn't called a prospect anymore. If I'm the Angels at some point here I had to say I'm putting my foot down you might not even get on the field in double A until you start working on this play discipline until we see actual concrete changes to the way you're going about the game like this they had they had to do something other than kind of coddle this guy and just say oh the numbers they the power is so great that it uh, all evens out fine so we're just going to you know, we're going to let it, we're going to let it slide. We'll kick that can down the road is basically what they've done with him his entire career and kept him from actually developing the most important skill in the offensive game.
1: Yeah. um, And it also doesn't help that uh, Taylor Ward has just been on fire to start the year. LJ he's after he had a one for four game yesterday. I think he was one of the guys that had a hit off of, um, off of a dylan cease he might have been the only hit off off of dylan cease batting average at 390 ops at 1.23 um now we're talking about a guy and we talked about him a little bit um a few episodes ago but that could really make himself a full-time player here for the angels which he hasn't had the opportunity to do because they've been waiting for these guys like Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh, who supposedly have so much talent. LJ, a Brandon Marsh, we didn't even talk about him. He just finished off an 0-for-13 series against the White Sox. And Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh are the two outfielders that we all thought were going to be staples in this L.A. lineup for years to come alongside Mike
0: Trout. Yeah, I mean, looking at this, looking at his statistically... This could easily be Taylor Ward's breakout year, not just him kind of being there and getting a hot run because this isn't somebody who sucked ever. I mean, you're talking about a league average guy in really 300 plate appearances for his career over the last couple of years, over the last two years. Yeah. Like the only only legitimate time that he has gotten out there, he has been an average guy at worst. Now, all of a sudden, you're seeing him at his best. You're seeing him going into his athletic prime. I think, you know, this is the start of the breakout for him. and it, It's it's much better to have him getting as much playing time as humanly possible than to keep kind of wasting your time with a guy like uh, Joe Dell.
1: And uh, Taylor Ward now qualifies for the league leaderboards. Leading the league in batting average, on-base um, percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, and OPS+.
0: Brandon, you know what that means. That's going to cause some trouble. Mike okay. Trout is now set to be on a three-year drought of not leading the league in two categories.
1: Oh, oh my God. Oh, We're in shambles. We are in shambles. Um, so, <laughs> The Angels, though somehow through all of this through all the bad production that they've had and honestly Brandon Marsh hasn't been bad but just a really rough series for him but of course we just touched on Joe Adele um guy like Jared Walsh we're still expecting to pick it up a little here but there's still a lot left in this Angels team I'm still pretty high on them as of right now um and let's hope that they can turn it around and especially a Joe Adele a guy that I don't want to see be bad um you know, I never want to see a player be bad, but when you're such a highly touted prospect and you're just waiting for them to be good and they just can, they haven't put it together. You know, it just, it just gives you a bad feeling. I don't know.
0: You know, there's only one prospect that I would ever want to see be bad, and it's not Joe Adell. I mean, delicious. I just, yes, um, <laughs> poor but kid. This I poor just poor kid LJ. <laughs> oh, I can't wait till he comes up. It's open season. Um I just can't keep making excuses for this guy getting better when he's shown me nothing that I should believe in him.
1: Absolutely. Well, believe that is gonna do it for today's show. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to check us out. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok on MLB at MLB Daily Pod. Also, little self plug, I will be going on um what can I think of Ethan Sports tonight. Um with parker ainsworth to talk about the kentucky derby which will be happening on saturday of course lj and i are from saratoga like pretty much the horse racing capital of the world Um, been a lifelong horse racing fan my family's owned and trained horses for like 30 something years so very excited to hop on there tonight talk some kentucky derby uh, betting odds and um just overall what to look forward to Saturday with the Kentucky Derby. So be sure to check that out. I'll be sure to link it on my Twitter. And um, until tomorrow, we'll see ya. Have a good
0: one. See you manana.